the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And we have a great show again today. We will talk with uh, John Zadrozny. John Zadrozny, who is over at America First Legal, about uh, the affidavit, the famous Mar-a-Lago affidavit. I was interested in his perspective on that. We'll also visit with um, Ron Kessler, Ronald Kessler, uh, who is an author. I saw him on Jesse Waters last week, and he's not exactly... (laughs) pro-Trump anymore. Uh, He was. He knows uh, Trump from uh, Palm Beach, where they were neighbors years ago. And so Ron Kessler, though, has a great perspective. Well, has a great history writing about the CIA, the FBI, as well as the White House, uh, I think under W. Bush, and also has a lot of contacts in the Secret Service who told him about Biden uh, being not very pleasant when he was vice president uh, for some of the female um, uh, female. um, Secret Service agents. So uh, we'll hear what Ron Kessler has to say in a few moments. All right. Uh, what you need to know today. This is an important one. I'm going to try to flesh this out um, for us. What you need to know, if you go over to ProAmericaReport.com, you can sign up for that email right there at the top of the page. Uh, it comes every day, every morning, 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific. It uh, goes out to almost 50,000 people. And the wink, what you need to know, an email that gives you a few key topical issues as well as some links to articles and often this segment, what you need to know segment from this radio program. Today, what you need to know is uh, probably a um, it's 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 not that it's a simplification. I'm trying to simplify uh, it down so that we have an understanding. You start to understand the pieces. Okay, so there is a lot of conversation going on right now about oversight. People will say, "Oh, wouldn't it be great if there's uh, Republicans that get oh in the House or Senate they'll get oversight over the FBI, oversight over the Department of Justice." Here's what I want to tell you: the oversight committees are generally places for grandstanding. And here's what I mean by this: any of, any of the oversight committees, the one in the House or the uh, Senate, are they're places where people bang on the table and they say, "We're going to ask you what went on, and you're going to have to tell us, and you're going to sit there." But nothing happens. There's no real role for changing behavior. There's there could be legislation filed, I suppose, or developed, but it doesn't happen. It's a little bit like the Judiciary Committee. The Judiciary Committee in the U.S. House is a place where lots of uh, uh, sound bites happen, lots of television uh, bites. But not much action. So here's what I want to tell you. Going forward, the change that has to take place is the best oversight is grab them by the wallet. Grab them by the wallet. What do I mean? The best oversight is to take the budget of people who are, are, are either doing something wrong or doing something we don't understand and hold it and don't pass it. Don't allow it to go. 
I learned this in the uh, in the time that I was a chief of staff to the governor of Missouri, that the governor, one of his greatest powers to make recalcitrant um, uh, bureaucrats operate was he could he could hold the budget. He could cut the budget. He could decide that his priorities changed within, you know, you're within what's happening and you could move it around. That's what got the attention of the bureaucrats the most. So what I'm calling for and what I think needs to happen is going forward in 2023, we need serious oversight and action. Oversight plus action. The only way to get oversight plus action instead of just oversight and talk, oversight with action is grab them by the budget. And there are appropriation committees Sometimes narrowly tailored, you know, that they are a certain subcommittee uh, will be the appropriations committee of uh, the health committee or uh, I guess what it's uh, education and uh, workforce is one education committee. Another one is health committee, health and uh, human services, I suppose. There'll be a housing committee, uh, appropriations committee. So under these big committees, there'll be appropriation subcommittees. That is where we must demand that the leadership in the new House and Senate, frankly, whatever party, if you get the Democrats to do it, I'd be fine with it. They won't, but they need to get appropriators in those committees that will do oversight plus action. Oversight plus action is grab them by the wallet, grab them by the wallet, grab them by the budget. Grab them by the budget is the best way to get the attention of the bureaucrats. It's the best way to get the attention of the, uh, of the opposition party that has control of the executive branch, because, by the way, it's constitutional. That's actually what you're supposed to do. If you're the House of Representatives, you, you, know, you can pass laws, and the laws you pass may get signed by the president, and then they have an effect. But you control the budget. There will be no budget without the House initiating. That's the Constitution says that. The founders planned on that because they knew the power of the purse would be a big balance of power. If you talk about what balances the power in the country, what you need to know is the balance of power, it it, it goes to the House, not even the Senate for appropriation, although the Senate can do it too because the Senate gets every House bill, right? And there are Senate, Senate appropriation committees, subcommittees on appropriation. So when you're talking about billions and billions of dollars, trillions of dollars, really, the appropriators can demand the bureaucrats uh, take action, respond, and they can say no, but then you can cut their budget. They can say, I don't want to. And then you cut their budget and you say to them, look, I'm not going to debate you. I I don't care. You can either produce the documents that reveal what's going on, or we'll just hold your budget. And you could say, well, it's hardball. It's this and that. That's the way the system was set up. Our founders envisioned it. it. One of the problems with the state's and the way our state sovereignty was granted to the federal government, it, it, it came, all of the sovereignty that we grant to the federal government comes from we, the people. It comes to uh, uh, the federal government from the states. That's one of the reasons why state attorney generals have powerful positions and should be even more powerful. But one of the reasons why the constitutional amendment that granted a federal income tax, the change was such a problem is it took away that check, you know, we all pay federal income tax. We all pay federal tax. Not everyone, but you get my point. Most people are. And once the money is gone, well, you know, you pay 30, let's let's say average 30% tax, federal income tax. You know, most states have 5% tax, income tax. Virginia has six, I think. Missouri has less than that. Tennessee has zero. Some states have zero. Uh, Florida has zero, but a lot of states in New Jersey has, I think, 10%. And so, But most of the money that's generated in this country goes right into the federal treasury. 
And so we can't get state sovereignty of the federal income tax by definition. It's a, it's a, it, this is one of the reasons why we shouldn't have allowed that to happen. It's why it's so problematic. But we are where we are. And therefore, we need some heroes. We need some heroic leaders who will take over the appropriation committees in the House and Senate, and they will have power in their subcommittee on appropriations for the Department of Justice. The power will not get past them. It will not get, they can't be rolled. If they get that spot, they can be a transformative leader. We can grab these bureaucrats by the budget. And once you have them, you can get either information or a change in behavior. And hopefully what you get is instead of grandstanding for sound bites on Fox News or CNN, we will get significant changes and transparency. Do you know how much money the federal government passed out of our treasury during COVID to all sorts of places, and we have no idea what happened. It, it, look, we, we sent $40 billion to uh, Ukraine, and everybody admits now that the money, they don't know where everything went. I mean, there was no, there was no way. This is what Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul said at the time. Hold on. Aren't we going to have some kind of mechanism to track this? Everyone said, don't be silly. They need the money now, and now it's all gone. And everybody admits it was wasted. It was corrupt, whatever. Not all of it. Some of it got there, probably. Some of it bought military stuff, but we don't know. Same thing with COVID. Hundreds of billions of dollars, trillions of dollars was sent to the states and to local municipalities and to schools, et cetera, et cetera. We don't know where it went. We don't know where the money went. Can you imagine? Think about that. So forget as you're, you're thinking about the, um, the, the, the new Congress and you're thinking, how can we get control of the Biden administration that has you know, inflation through the roof, gas prices through the roof, the stock market tanking, regulations on everything, preference for windmills over the American family, all that stuff? Well, one thing we can do is get some fearless leaders. I, I'll be honest. I'll be very honest. I don't want to see oversight showmanship like, say, the Benghazi hearings, or any of the other ones. We don't have time for that in this country. We need leaders who will actually change what's going on, change the dynamic significantly. And the best way to do that is through appropriation. So I'm putting a marker down now. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's what, uh, two or two and a half months before the elections in the fall and another two and a half months from uh, January when they take power. We need to start talking about it now. Forget the oversight grandstanding. And let's get oversight plus action by grabbing them by the wallet through appropriations, grab them by the budget. That will change the dynamic and that will change the country and we'll have a chance. So that's my tip for today. That's what you need to know is uh, take that to the bank. Uh, no more oversight grandstanding. I mean, they can do it. I don't care. I'm, 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 it's some of it's entertaining. And if it's educational or something, fine. But as to changing and saving the country, we need to go and we need to figure out who the leaders are who will be heroic leaders on appropriation and grab them by the budget. That will change and save America. All right, that's what you need to know. Coming up in a few moments, uh, uh, we'll talk with John Zadrozny of America First Legal, as well as Ronald Kessler. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I had a very good conversation uh, with uh, John Zadrozny. He is uh, over at America First Legal, the Deputy Director of Investigations. And uh, John, it, I got two or three emails from folks who uh, listened to that interview and had questions. So that's always a good sign. I sent them uh, towards your website so that people can uh, see what's going on. It's aflegal.org, aflegal.org, America First Legal. Uh, John Zadrozny, welcome back to the program. How are you? Hey, Ed, I'm great. Thanks for having me back on. I appreciate it. Well, it's great to have you. So I, I did want to ask you from a legal perspective, and of course, my listeners know I'm a lawyer, too, but I don't practice uh, conventionally. And so uh, I saw you had commented on the affidavit and the redactions. You know, John, when you look closely at that and when America First Legal looked at it, you know, walk me through what it revealed. I mean, we saw a lot of we've, we've heard a lot of, um, you know, commentating, political commentating and all sorts of stuff. What, what did you see? What does it mean? And sort of where do you think it's going? Well, I did see the affidavit. I read the whole thing uh, or what we could read that wasn't redacted. <laughs> right. Um, right, right. Although, you know, they, they clearly redacted out source information, which I under, I expected them to do. Uh, they actually I, they left more of the language intact than I thought they would. But I digress. Uh, the, the main takeaway I had from the affidavit was that it, it confirms a suspicion I had. And we're still not 100 percent proven. But my suspicion is that basically this is 100 percent going to be a battle about separation of powers and the president's ability to classify and declassify. Because if you'll notice in the affidavit, they walk through how all there were all these documents that they said they were labeled classified. Um, they were told or they were believed based on documents that the archives had received back from a voluntary turnover by President Trump that they had markings on them and that was problematic and that led to the raid. Um, you know what? It's really funny to me because at, at no point uh, did they say the president wasn't entitled to have these documents. They just said they were classified. And I think that's because now I could be, I might've missed something, but I don't think I did. And I think what that really embodies is that they're trying to pretend that he didn't declassify documents and that a president's declassification doesn't Trump, no pun intended over the bureaucracy. And I suspect this is what's happened. Uh, The FBI, the DOJ, they were unhappy with some of president Trump's classification decisions and declassification decisions on the way out of the door. And uh, when he issued an executive order declassifying all of the Russiagate nonsense, they decided when he was no longer in office to basically pretend that never happened and say those are still classified. And right. that's what this is all about. Now, um, the, you, by the way, not to go off track, but, you know, there were some initial uh, rumors in the, the media that he had nuclear secrets and all this other sensitive data. Notice that has gone away. It has nothing to do with that. That was an attempt to sensationalize it and justify the raid. Uh, but it turns out none of that was true because you and I both know we would have seen leaks on this front. I think that's what this is about. At the end of the day, I think this is about the deep state was unhappy with Trump's decision to declassify and they're just going to pretend he didn't. And this is going to be a two year battle. And that I don't see how this helps uh, Biden, the DOJ or the FBI. Uh, we're, we're talking again with uh, uh, John Zadrozny, Deputy D- Director of Investigations over at America First Legal. Um, well, and, and, but but, you know, uh, again, we're in this funny position uh, and, you know, your job investigations, you're supposed to dig into it and you are. Uh, but most people don't dig into it or if they do, they rely on the coverage of uh, of the media uh, and 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 they rely on big tech, uh, which is proven that they are going to skew this. And right now, the, the coverage is 
about something that sounds serious. And and I guess one of the things about the affidavit is it's sort of like the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. You could never everybody that had a real look inside in the Mueller investigation period that knew anything said there's nothing here. But you had to wait mysteriously behind the Mueller veil. And Adam Schiff was leaking. Remember, Devin Nunes, in some ways, got himself in trouble. Right. And really not some ways got in some trouble because he he went and started talking about what he was seeing, saying these guys are making it up. And and they were like, oh, no, you can't talk about that. Right. You, you know, you're not allowed to say anything. Are we stuck with an affidavit that in some ways the black, the redacted part is meant to allow the media and the left to say there must be something really dark behind the redactions? I think there's something to that, Ed. That's also the reason why uh, when we say, well, we, you know, we, the public, the royal we would love to see the documents that were taken back, that were classified. The federal government will get to say, gosh, you know, we'd love to show those to you, but they're classified. And so between the redactions in the affidavit and the uh, the federal government's posture that those documents are still classified, we're not really going to know what was taken back. And I think this really sort of what you said about Devin Nunes drives home a, fanta- drives home a fantastic point, which is uh, – the government classifies – I have to be careful here, but it wouldn't surprise me if people use the classification system incorrectly. And so the classification system is supposed to be used to protect national security sensitive data, but anyone who's been around classified documents knows that sometimes that's not the case. Um, right. And also sometimes – it wouldn't surprise me if, for example, people in the DOJ and the FBI, when they're trying to take out a president, would paper their, you know, themselves in classified documents to make sure no one in the public could ever find out what was going on. And I think that's what this is. This has nothing to do with national security sensitive issues. It has to do with CYA, not CIA, but CYA. They've gone to get the documents to prevent it from being known in the public. And they've gone basically to get back the documents that incriminate hundreds, maybe thousands of federal employees. I don't need more competition in the in the uh, radio and communication field, John. But that was pretty good. Uh, not CIA, but CYA. That's a pretty good one. You ought to you ought to use that one uh, more and more. Um, uh, but we're talking with John Zadrozny again, uh, uh, America First Legal. Um, but on this, here's another aspect that I don't know. And I, I have to say, I, I printed out the affidavit and I mostly laughed at the redacted pages. And, and I don't I don't think I I think I read parts of it. I don't know if I read it even closely. So I'm relying on lots of other people who did read it, which you're one of them. Um, so did the affidavit and, and do we as a matter of facts, not disputes, not arguments about it, do we know that as to the documents that were taken from Mar-a-Lago, those were at the heart of discussions and negotiations and even some transfer of other documents over the last 18 months? I mean, we know that, right? I mean, we also know that somebody from the, the, the uh, archives or, or somewhere said, put an extra lock on that. In other words, you know, we understand we're discussing what to get. How do you go from how does how does one justify going from there to a raid? Well, that's it. I think that's the million dollar question. Ed. The, the, the indications are both, believe it or not, from the federal government itself and from Donald Trump's team that there was nothing but cordial engagement and cooperation until the raid happened. And that to me tells me something. I'm not quite sure what it says, but I think it says that the federal government was uncomfortable with what was about to come out 
in a future conversation with a court. That's just my theory. And my theory there is that at some point, the federal government was going to attempt to obtain more documents. President Trump's team, I'm speculating again, would probably say, well, no, these are declassified. He has the right to these documents. And that would be something that would land in a court. And then it would be a public record. And then there would be a public record about the nature of the documents. And that was just something that it sounds like neither the FBI nor the DOJ could countenance. Because again, my theory is it's the Russiagate documents that they want dragged back into the secrecy of the federal government. So um, maybe they just decided there was a, it was they couldn't risk this being discussed in front of a judge and they just wanted to make this disappear again. You know, again, to the, the theme of the document supposedly being of such great national security importance that the federal government not only didn't deal with this for a year and a half later, uh, but they waited for a couple months after. We now know from their own aff- from their own affidavit that the National Archives was looking through these documents months ago. And if there was such radical concern about what was in there, it's amazing they didn't do anything sooner. Also, I love the fact that the warrant was issued on a Friday, uh, but the administration did not enforce it until Monday because they wanted to pass the Inflation Acceleration Act on Sunday. And then (laughs) it's also worth noting, and I don't know if we talked about this last time, the date they enforced the warrant, August 8th, was the anniversary of the resignation of Richard Nixon. I'm sure someone in the FBI thought that was hysterical. Oh, well, uh, and and but and, and even more just sort of uh, obvious, like it's it, it, in some sense is it, if you've had somebody looking through the documents at Mar-a-Lago, which, again, is a fact from the archives or from the from whoever was demanding it or however, whoever that would be, they know what's there. Right. So so they know the universe of what could be, I don't know, uh, misappropriated, stolen. I don't know, given out. I mean, I and so it's not again, it's not like something where, oh, we just realized that the president is about to, you know, President Trump is about to fly uh, to a golf tournament in Russia. We better see what even then you could you could you could have lots of lots of ways short of a raid that you could keep an eye on things. Right. And and uh, so it is what happens next, John. We're talking John Zadrozny. Uh, what happens next? in this uh, matter they, they, there's no there's no appealing redactions right you don't i, I don't think anybody i've heard, I haven't heard anybody say that they're gonna get the judge to um to, to to go line by line so they're probably stuck with that so what happens next well the trump administration did something interesting Ed. they they didn't um resist any of the efforts regarding the affidavit and the redactions that occurred under judge reinhardt who was a magistrate judge and not a full article three district court judge um, they filed a separate lawsuit in the district court down in Florida by West Palm Beach, uh, basically to uh, enjoy, hopefully enjoin review of the documents that were seized, but also get other relief. And so it's a separate court case. Um, I believe it's still pending. And then there's no hard decision yet from the judge. But we, we all know that right now the FBI and the DOJ have probably gone through some of the documents. Um, I heard something about the possibility of uh, the judge being inclined to appoint that special master that Donald Trump requested, although whether or not uh, documents are, have been reviewed already is, is not clear, but I suspect they have been. I don't really know where we go from here, except to say, I think the FBI and the DOJ, if their goal was to crush Donald Trump and make him go away, I think it's had the opposite effect. Well, it certainly had the galvanizing effect on uh, the, on on Republicans and, and Trump supporters, you know, who looked up and said, what is that? I mean, again, um, if I'm the president, if I'm President Trump, I probably wish somebody had either, I don't know, um, handled it better on all sides. I, I can't imagine. But I, I guess at a certain point, it just looks like a uh, it was a kind of setup. So. All right. Uh, John Zadrozny. Unfortunately, we go fast. I'm out of time. Uh, uh, let's uh, I will make sure to put up on social media again. America first legal. AF dot org is the website. A lot to, to check out there and uh, track. Thanks for the time, John. 
Thank you so much, Ed. Take care. All right. We'll talk again soon. John's a drive. everybody. Um, if you go visit proamericareport.com, you can sign up for our daily emails and I'll put over on social media, all of the uh, accompanying uh, text with, uh, from this discussion. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the pro America report back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's been a while now since I've talked to Ron Kessler. Ron Kessler, of course, is a journalist, investigative journalist, and author now, uh, New York Times bestselling author. He's written on uh, the White House, a couple different White Houses, the Secret Service, the FBI, the CIA. Um, he has uh, been on every major channel, television channel, uh, radio channel, everything, um, uh, commentating and all the rest. So uh, his website is Ronald Kessler. Kessler.com, RonaldKessler.com. If you go there, you'll see all of his different uh, writings as well as uh, articles he's written. So, uh, Ron, welcome back to the program. How are you? Very good. Good to be with you, Ed. So when you watch the coverage of the intelligence community, which includes, but is not limited to, the uh, groups that you've written books on, I mean, the CIA, the FBI, the Secret Service, you watch the coverage, the media coverage of that. Do you think to yourself the media is not actually giving them a critical evaluation? They're either being led along or they're being misled or I don't know. How do you the characterization is that the intelligence community is able to, you know, sort of manage the the press, at least uh, certain aspects of it feels like that's true. But what do you think? Well, very often I would agree with you. And and certainly when it comes to prosecutions. Hillary should have been prosecuted for her emails that were on her server that were also classified, and but not as highly classified. And uh, in this case, uh, we're talking about comp- uh, sensitive compartmented information, uh, special access, CIA, NSA documents, FBI documents. And the Russians, of course, would have been targeting Mar-a-Lago all along, uh, trying to recruit employees, trying to break in where they could. Uh, And that's the really scary part. Uh, Aside from the fact that Trump had no right to take the documents in the first place, and we we simply, you know, we either either, uh, maintain our secrets or not. And the kind of information that could be in there based on those classifications is, for example, uh, and I, I've written about the nuclear football. W- with the nuclear football, there are these written options that the president has to launch a counter strike if Russia is attacking us with nuclear weapons. And you know he has only t- 20 minutes to respond. There are these different op- options, and that's one set of documents that could be in there, um, as well as uh, human sources who might have penetrated Putin's inner, inner circle. Uh, putting them at risk. Nobody, you know, wants to trust us if we can't keep our secrets. Uh, so I'm uh, not uh, not a critic of the press coverage, although of course there has been some excess. Is uh, we're talking with Ron Kessler again? RonaldKessler.com uh, is his uh, website, um, and it's two S's Kessler. Um, well, okay, but I mean, isn't it? Um, 
isn't it isn't something different than a a, a raid? I mean, is it are we going to find out somehow that because a few months ago they were giving over documents, someone said, hey, you got the wrong stuff. You ought to give that over. I mean, isn't the raid thing a little bit much? I mean, are, are, are you comfortable that the FBI that you've known when you wrote about the FBI hasn't dramatically changed in the last decade or so? Well, there have been ups and downs, you know, going back to Hoover. Hoover engaged in uh, massive illegal uh, entries and wiretapping. And then under Comey, uh, the FBI at the top became corrupt, unbelievably so. I think John Durham is still going to bring. Uh, oh, you do? Oh, you do think cases. that? You do think but, that? But now I believe now the FBI, as far as I can see, uh, is is behaving responsibly and you know they were trying to get the documents back they they started last january and then they had a subpoena last uh uh june uh and they and these uh the trump people were not giving them up they were claiming that everything had been given up which was not true obviously the fbi had sources there as well that that were uh telling them that trump uh you know still had the documents uh, it's a joke that, that the Justice Department said last June, oh, just put a padlock on the door. I don't know, you know, <laughs> what what that guy was thinking, because, because uh, of course, <laughs> the Russians or the Chinese could have penetrated that uh, in a second. Uh, so, you know, it, it's a really, really unfortunate situation. It, uh, but, but Trump, you know, stalled and stalled. And that's that's what he likes to do is. Uh, well, exactly. It's uh, it's um, it's not not foreign to his uh, uh, to his style. What what do you think happens in the fall now? I mean, a, a lot of coverage. And again, we're talking with Ronald Kessler and um, written on on the politics and written on the policy and written on these institutions. You've also watched the ebb and flow of this. What do you think? happens in the fall and then what do you think happens pretty quickly afterwards with trump well these investigations do take a lot of time that's why the hunter biden thing is going on so so long in in my opinion but um i think there will be an indictment and it'll include obstruction of justice which was mentioned in the affidavit uh and that could be pretty shocking um and uh he will be indicted but you know that's not the only uh, legal threat that he faces. He faces uh, uh, investigations in Georgia and elsewhere. Uh, I think the walls are starting to close in. What? Um, well, but it's about like the 50th time the walls have almost closed in. Does uh, Do you think in the fall that the Republicans win the House and Senate? And was, does that change uh, much of the politics? I think the uh, Republicans will win the House. Uh, not just not sure about uh you know the senate things change so quickly uh and uh but the more you know trump uh keeps this on page one and and threatening riots uh, saying there'll be riots if he's indicted the more uncomfortable people become you know the gop is the party of the law, of law and order and and most of us just want peace and quiet especially after COVID. and he's doing exactly the opposite of someone who wants to be elected president again do you think he runs you know maggie haberman said he may not and and she's pretty reliable uh she picks up a lot of very good tidbits um but on the other hand, he, he never gives up. I've never seen him give up. Uh, but I think if he, you know, if he, if he thinks he, he can win, he will run. Otherwise, he won't. 
the um, I, it, the you wonder if he um, if he thinks the best way to protect himself and his family is to run. I mean, to, uh, but I guess if you, if he runs and loses again, I mean, it's sort of, uh, that would be hard for him to take, but I, I, I don't know. I think it's, uh, it feels like everything I see in terms of the politics is that he runs, but he does things that are not normal all the time. Right. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, before the election, I, I wrote him a note saying, you know, just stop with the out- outrageous comments. People just want peace and quiet. And he just got worse and worse. And and I, I'm quite sure if he had taken my wise advice, he would have been uh, reelected. Uh, but, but, you know, he doesn't listen. He loves to be the center of attention every single day, whether it's good news or bad news, negative or not. Uh, and that's that's just his style. He'll never change. Do you um do you what did you make of did you look closely at the um story that came out where um uh uh Jeff uh is it Jeff Zuckerberg or what's Zuckerberg's first name uh, uh yeah. where he's he, 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 yeah <laughs> the guy that has all the money yeah, in Facebook yeah, and and he and he said basically um we were put on alert that there'd be lots of tricks and we shouldn't be suckered into the tricks that seems normal right I mean any candidate any uh, professional um political operative will tell you, you know, whether it's um uh, George W. Bush's drunk driving, uh, you know, the weekend before the election, whether it's uh, Hunter Biden's laptop or Donald Trump's uh, Billy Bush video, you know, this, the four weeks before the election, you're going to get the October surprise. It's it's a it's a time honored tradition to try to throw things off and see if you can't sway it. So but Zuckerberg saying, hey, we were told to watch for this. Then we saw it. And, you know, what we now know, uh, Ronald, is that um, the the 50 intelligence community people who said, uh, oh, that looks like Russian disinformation, they didn't know. Yeah. And, and that was false. I mean, right. that's pretty breathtaking, right? right? Yeah, that, that was uh, just dishonorable on, on the part of, of former uh, intelligence people. Uh, but uh, this, as the FBI said, is something routine. They, they warn when propaganda is coming out. And they did that, obviously, with other outlets as well and no other outlets said gee we we held the story uh because of the fbi uh so i don't think that amounts to anything at all uh it's it's, it's sort of a sorry excuse on the part of zuckerberg for for not running the story but you know that investigation has been going on if if they wanted to suppress it they would have done it long ago meanwhile the fbi uh brings uh cases against republican uh, candidates and de- and Democrat candidates, uh, you, you see you see the nonpartisan uh, nature right there, uh, and so I, I I don't buy into the idea that the FBI now is politicized under Ray, quite different under uh, Comey. Shock, just shocking what happened under Comey, and and I, I as I said I think Durham may very well uh, hold those people accountable. Do you think so? But and but but Durham would be operating under the um, old rules that 90 days before an election, you don't do things like we would we'd expect. I mean, if if things hadn't become different, meaning Trump, um, you would be we would be in that period where people relatively would try to stay quiet. Right. And Durham's probably in that camp. Probably that that's just an understanding. It's it's uh, tradition. Yeah, it's not, yeah right. uh, but but they could. I mean, you know. What, what if there's some uh, uh, pending bomb, bomb attack or something you oh, know, right. from one side or the other side? You have to take action. Right. Yeah. All right. Ronald Kessler. I go to RonaldKessler.com. All his books are there. Writings there. Thank you, Ron. It's uh, always interesting. These are not dull times. I think uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate your time. 
Thank you, Ed. I appreciate it. Okay, RonaldKessler.com. Put it up on social media. We'll take a quick break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, a constitutional attorney and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Among the many good things to come out of the Dobbs decision by the Supreme Court, the overturn of Roe v. Wade revealed that the availability of abortion can be inextricably linked to promiscuous sex and the breakdown of the traditional family. Of course, this is something that conservatives have been saying for decades, but it's still a fact worth pointing out for those who would prefer to bury their heads in the sand. Abortion is always framed by the left as some great benefit for women, but reality doesn't play that out. Men are the primary beneficiaries of killing unborn children. Quite simply, abortion allows men to have loose sex without consequence or commitment. Why take on child support payments for 18 years when a one-time payment to an abortion clinic will free you of all your responsibilities? Vice President Kamala Harris became the chief proponent of this vile philosophy in a recent interview where she said of the overturn of Roe that, quote, if you're a parent of sons, do think about what this means for the life of your son and what that will mean in terms of the choices he will have, end quote. Let's not parse words about what abortion means for men. Kamala Harris is referring to the choice to have no consequences for casual sex. She is blatantly advocating for states not to stop the murder of children so that young men can have sex outside of marriage. Meanwhile, women are expected to undergo the well-documented physical and psychological risks of the dangerous abortion procedures. Is this what the feminist movement is fighting for? Saying that we need abortion to protect men from responsibility may well be the lamest excuse for killing children that the left has ever employed. Instead of encouraging juvenile attempts to escape obligation, men should be expected to embrace the responsibility of marriage and fatherhood. We need healthy families, not just less child support payments. Abortion hurts women, men, children, the family unit, and society as a whole. Nothing positive comes from it for anyone except the abortion industry executives who get rich and powerful off the suffering of others. Don't fall for their well-scripted lies. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The traditional family is the building block of our communities and country. That's why it's imperative to support strong marriages, respect fathers, and champion stay-at-home moms. At phyllisschlafly.com, we oppose the liberal attempt to redefine the family. To join us, visit phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let me update you on something called Eagle Council. Eagle Council. Uh, Starting in the late 1960s, and for 50 years almost, uh, Phyllis, 1960s, uh, Phyllis Schlafly gathered people uh, together, and she called it the Eagle Council. And Eagle Council was one part training getting together and figuring out what to do together. Phyllis would often tell people what to do, but it was also another part fortification and networking and fellowshipping. And so 
We have our Eagle Council coming up September 17th in St. Louis. And September 17th is Constitution Day. And so if you want to go to a meeting where there's 1,000 people or 5,000 people, that's not this. If you want to go to a meeting where there's between 250 and 500 people that are doers, that understand policy as well as understand politics, then come to Eagle Council. Because what we pride ourselves on, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, is not just getting together and being right. I'm sick of being right. I want to succeed. I'm sick of being sincere. I want to succeed. And the only way to succeed is to come up with plans that utilize proven strategies that move the ball forward. That's what we do at Eagle Council. That's exactly what we do at Eagle Council. EagleCouncil.com. EagleCouncil.com. If you put that in and go there, you'll see it's very inexpensive. You got to get to St. Louis, but it's inexpensive. We charge basically the cost to do the event. We don't charge much else. We don't charge anything else. We, in fact, we subsidize a little bit of it. EagleCouncil.com. This year, Jay Ashcroft, the son of John Ashcroft, Jay is the Secretary of State of Missouri, proven election authority, proven conservative. He'll be with us. He'll be with us at a celebration of life. We're going to celebrate, and we're going to celebrate the unsung heroes of the life movement, the little old ladies that prayed in front of the abortion clinic, the guys that stuffed envelopes, the old men, the young men, the, uh, the girls, the young girls and boys that marched in places for it. We're going to celebrate the unsung heroes at a luncheon on September 17th with Jay Ashcroft, with Tamara Scott. Uh, Tamara Scott is from Iowa. She's a leader. Bridget Van Means, a big leader. Someone who knows Marilyn Shannon, another one. And we're going to highlight, we're going to bring forward the, the people, unsung heroes, people, names that people have forgotten and names people never knew. And we're going to put them in a legacy list, a book of the, of the book of the living, the book of the life. And it's going to be great. Then in the afternoon, we'll have our Eagle briefing, about two hours of briefing on the key issues and what we're going to do about them. That's a key thing. That, that Eagle briefing is like, it's like the best briefing in the world on conservatism politics and what we're going to do and then in the evening it's the constitution day celebration we have uh steve bannon and peter navarro uh and we also have family members of the january 6 prisoners who will be with us and we're going to celebrate the theme of that the theme for that night is due process denied and we're going to talk about what's going on in this country it's going to be great go to eaglecouncil.com eaglecouncil.com Hope you'll be a part of it. Look forward to seeing you there. All right, we got to wrap things up. Thank you to Noah Dingley, Joanna Spilger. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. See you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.